So this morning, Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12, let me read it, and then we'll dive into our time together. Here's what we read again by the author Matthew about the visit of the wise men. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them when the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet. And as for you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose and went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Father, we bow our heads yet again before you, and we praise you for the blessedness of coming together on Christmas morning. We praise you for the joy of reading first about the shepherds who came to worship Christ as a baby, and now we're reading about these wise men who came to worship Christ as a child. And so I pray as we look at this familiar text out of Matthew chapter 2 this morning, you would encourage our hearts and that we would glory in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know if you guys heard or not about the grandma who wanted to write out some Christmas cards and send them to all of her children and grandchildren. And she typically would try to also buy just the right present for them each year. And she started noticing that all of her children and grandchildren would oftentimes return the present she bought them. So she got a little frustrated about that, thought she'd be a little bit more efficient. And so on this particular Christmas, she wrote out a Christmas card, but she also wrote a check of money and was going to put the check in each card and mail it out to the kids. And that way everybody would get what they really wanted, just card hold cash, right? And so the grandma sent out all the cards. She was feeling pretty good about herself. And then a couple of months passed and she's sitting at her desk in her house and she happened to open the drawer and she was devastated to find all the checks that she had supposedly sent in the Christmas cards to her children and grandchildren were still sitting in her desk. She had forgotten to mail the checks out with those cards. And then she was horrified when she realized what she actually wrote in the card. For she recalled uh, writing in each card, I wasn't sure exactly what to get you this year, so why don't you go out and find your own present? (laughs) Love, Grandma. 
You know? So I'm sure all the kids got the cards. They're like, well, thanks, Grandma, right? Because she forgot to send the check. So hopefully that hasn't happened to you this Christmas. Hopefully you've been able to give out all the presents you wanted to give out and just enjoy this special time of Christmas. I mean, I really do love Christmas, don't you? I love Christmas lights. I love Christmas decorations. I love Christmas caroling. I, I love Christmas cookies. Anybody here like Christmas cookies? I mean, I'm a big fan of Christmas. I like everything about Christmas, and I even enjoy sometimes different poems and different songs that are written. You guys are familiar with that poem, "'Twas the Night Before Christmas." Well, that poem has been rewritten, actually, by Angie Mosteller to tell, really, the meaning of Christmas. Listen to how she writes, "'Twas the night before Christmas. "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the earth, every creature was stirring, awaiting a birth. The time for the Messiah was certainly near. The prophets foretold it. The Bible was clear. From the book of beginnings, the very first sin, God's word made it clear how grace entered in. Born of a virgin, he'd come as a man, the creator among us, the time was at hand. The stars were arranged to show marvelous things, setting wise men to journey and find the true king. Shepherds in Bethlehem gazed on the sky, longing to see him, their Lord, the Most High. How could they know that the very next night an angel of God would speak words of delight. How the Savior was born, it was news of great joy. In a cloth and a manger, they'd find the dear boy. And a heavenly host would soon join to sing of the glories of God and of wonderful things. He entered creation, set position aside to show us how deeply his love did abide. Sin sent us away from our almighty Lord. He became one of us that we might be restored. He's the prince of our peace. He's the one who makes us whole. He is wisdom incarnate, a shepherd of souls. He's the author of life. He's the ruler of all. He can offer salvation on his name we call. The shepherds and wise men would bow and adore. Holy God among men, our greatest reward. All glory and honor is due to this king. Let us join him in worship. Let every tongue sing. Jesus is Lord. All creation proclaims. He's the first and last. He's always the same. History turned on that first Christmas day when God became a man in a humble display. As we think of the manger in which he was laid, let our hearts welcome him to the world he has made. Well, that really sets the tone for us this morning, doesn't it? Just to remind us, it's not just about all the festivities of Christmas that we enjoy. It's about the Christ of Christmas. And that's what's really beautiful about Christmas, that there was a beautiful baby, and his name was Jesus. And this beautiful baby was born in Bethlehem. And this morning, we're kind of talking about how the wise man came to visit Christ. And so I figured that some of you students, whether you're in elementary school or high school, or in college, you've been out of school long enough that you're about ready for a Christmas quiz. Who likes quizzes? How about a Christmas quiz? Okay, maybe not. All right, so here it is. You just make a mental note. I'm going to ask a couple of questions. You make a mental note, because I don't want to embarrass you on how you do on this Christmas quiz this morning, all right? Question number one, what is a magi? What is a magi? Go ahead and whisper it to the person sitting next to you. What is a magi? All right, second question, were the Magi 
actually kings? I want you to whisper a yes or no to your neighbor. Were they actually kings? Come on, a little whisper to your neighbor. All right, you're doing okay. How many wise men came? How many wise men do you think came to worship Christ? Next question. Do we know the names of the wise men? Do we know their names? Next question. What were the ethnicities? Go ahead and whisper what you think the ethnicities of these wise men were. And then did the wise men, and this has kind of already been given away, but hopefully it's still a decent question. This could be like the bonus question, all right, on your quiz. If you're like, I'm not sure how I'm doing. Did they come worship Jesus as a baby? Did the wise men come worship Jesus as a baby? All right, how'd you guys do in your quiz? Aren't you glad? Okay, we got a couple of thumbs up, and I got a couple of people like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. All right, well, I'm going to answer all those questions and a few more as we look at this short Christmas message together this morning. I simply just want to give you three simple truths about the wise men. Can I do that? You'll see it pop up on the PowerPoint. If you want to take notes there in your bulletin, there's three little points that you could write down. That's only if you want to. But here we go. You ready? The first truth about the wise men is the wise men came from the east. The wise man came from the east. Again, look at verses 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east, and they came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Where did the wise men come from? The east, all right? They came from the east, and they came, obviously, it says, verse 1, they came to Bethlehem. That's where Jesus was born. In Bethlehem, here in verse 1, and again, down in verse 6, there's that quotation of an Old Testament prophet by the name of Micah, who says in Micah 5.2, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. And so I want to just make a special note. This is a special Bethlehem. Did you know there's actually two Bethlehems in Jerusalem, in Israel, two Bethlehems, one up further north in the area of Galilee. There's a second Bethlehem, this Bethlehem, and notice how it's demarcated, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, which was in Judea or in the land of Judah. This was the place where the Christ was to be born. Bethlehem, as you might know, means house of bread. The word Beth means house in Hebrew and Lehem means bread. So say that with me, if you will, house of bread. You guys are good. Just making sure you're staying awake with me this Christmas, all right? So Bethlehem is the house of bread. So how appropriate that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. And a little bit later in the Gospel of John, it is Jesus who will say, I am the bread of life. And so we see there that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. There was another person born in Bethlehem connected to Jesus' lineage, and that was King David. You might remember in 1 Samuel, it was, um, it was uh, the prophet, right? I'm drawing a quick blank here. Uh, the prophet Samuel, right, who came in 1 Samuel 16 to anoint one of Jesse's sons, and it says Jesse was the Bethlehemite. Remember that? And so we have David was the king, and then in the lineage is Jesus, all right? Now, these wise men, they come to worship this Christ child. And the word, if you have an NASB before you today, it says the magi, or if you have an ESV, it says the wise men. And that word magi is magos in the original language, and it doesn't, it doesn't actually mean king. It does mean, however, either magician or astrologer, or as the ESV translated, 
translate it, it just means wise men. Okay, so these three uh, that came, at least that's what some think, there were three who came, though we don't know exactly how many came because it's just in the plural. So we typically assume there was three kings because they gave three gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But nowhere in their text does it say there's only three. It just says the wise men came, all right? So I'm already trying to straighten up some of your questions and your quiz in case you thought you knew. It could have been three, could have been more, but what we do know is that these three came. They weren't exactly kings, even though we love to sing the song, we three kings of Orient are, right? And so again, it's, it's more of the fact that they were wise men who came to worship Christ. There's also the idea that there were three of these men that comes from a uh, medieval times where they actually gave them three names of Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. And that dates to medieval times where it was also assumed that there was one that was a Caucasian, there was one that was black, maybe from Africa, and that there was one that was yellow or oriental from, uh, from what, what we would say is the Far East, right? We would refer, when it says Jesus came from the East, sometimes, or excuse me, the wise man came from the east, we might be thinking China, right? Or we might be thinking Thailand. But in the Bible days, when they would say they came from the east, they weren't thinking of the far east, like the Orient, but they were thinking rather of Persia, or they were thinking of where Babylon was. They were thinking of what is present-day Iran and eastern Iraq. And so these were Mideasterners who came, and they came to worship. Notice verse 1 says that they came to Jerusalem, and then verse 2, where is he who is born king of the Jews? And so as Dr. Barak already mentioned, they traversed quite a long journey. They had been on this journey for many weeks or months, possibly even over a year. And they finally get to Jerusalem and they want to worship Christ, the King of the Jews. And that prophecy, the King of the Jews, most likely comes from that Isaiah passage, Isaiah chapter 9, where we read, for to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So these wise men likely knew, because they were students of the word of God, they likely knew this Isaiah prophecy, and so they came to Israel to worship this king that had been prophesied about 700 years before Christ was born. So they come to worship him. And I'd just like to say that the truth of Christmas really does trump every background, every upbringing, every language, and every culture. I mean, these three wise men, we don't know them to be Jewish. We know them to be Middle Eastern. But when you think about Christ, it's not just a Israelite thing. It's not a Jewish thing. It's not just an American thing. So many times I travel in places around the world to share the gospel and to preach about the news of Jesus Christ. And many people even see America as a Christian nation. And I've had many people tell me from different cultures, well, that's your religion. But in our culture, we're Buddhists or we're Hindu, or we're Muslim, or we worship our ancestors, or whatever culture they're from. And I'm just here to tell you this morning that Jesus trumps all cultures. No matter where you are from, no matter what religion is in your background, Jesus is Lord of all. And just as these wise men came from their land, 
from their culture to come to worship Christ, I invite you to come worship this Christ of Christmas this very morning. You may be here, and you're from a completely different background. And please, I'm not, I'm not taking any, don't take offense at, at, at me attacking your background. What I'm simply saying is Jesus is better than all. And you come this morning, we would pray, to a service like this on Christmas morning to meet the Christ of Christmas. That's what the wise men did. And my prayer is that's what you're doing this very morning. Now, let me show you a second truth, if I can, in this text. Number two, second thing we want to look at about the wise men is that the wise men averted King Herod's evil plot. means they avoided it. They did not follow with his evil plan. As we read in verses 3 and following, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, as for so was written by the prophet. And then skipping down to verse 7, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may go and worship him. Now skip down to verse 12, 9 through 11 is going to tell us they did go worship Christ. But then in verse 12, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by a different way. All right. They did not follow King Herod's plot. First of all, I just want to make sure you understand that this is talking about King Herod the Great. And King Herod the Great was called the Great not because of his stature, because it was actually Josephus, the Jewish historian, who wrote in his account of King Herod that he was only four and a half feet tall. Right? It's something about a short man with a big ego, right? Four and a half feet tall, and yet he was large and in control of the politics of the day. When I think about King Herod, I can't help but think about Danny DeVito. All right? Sorry to bring him into our Christmas message this morning, but I'm thinking about Danny DeVito, short guy with a big ego who thinks he knows what's going on. At least that's how he's depicted in the movies I've seen of, of DeVito, right? But King Herod has this idea of he doesn't want anybody to be king but him. He's actually a very evil man. He actually killed his wife and more than one of his sons, okay? So this guy was very much in control, very power hungry, but he's only four and a half feet tall. He was called Herod the Great because he did great things in the sense of building. He built Caesarea by the sea. He built, um, he built uh, the uh, temple mount there in Jerusalem. He re-enhanced that temple and embellished it to make it much better. He built part of the, the cities up in the Decapolis that were being Hellenized. And so uh, he had a lot of influence and a lot of things, but he was not a great Jew. In fact, many Jews despised him because he wasn't a pure Jew, and they realized that he was having some uh, different forms of worship towards other uh, kings and other gods other than the king of the Israelites, right? And uh, Herod wanted this child to be killed. A little bit later in our text, in Matthew 2, verse 16, it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise man, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that had been ascertained by the wise men. So this man is a mass murderer, okay? This man is very evil, and he didn't even really know his Bible. Any good Bible student would have known about the Micah 5-2 passage. It doesn't take a great scholar just to read your Bible. In fact, it was commanded that the king of Israel would read through the Bible every year. And apparently Herod had no clue where Jesus was to be born. He asked to ask 
right? He asked a symbol in verse 4, the chief priests and scribes, and asked them where he was to be born. And of course, they give him the right answer. Uh, and then he went to have all the children killed there. And so these wise men, in verse 12 again, they departed to their own country to go another way, right? They weren't going to go back to King Herod, apparently, They had maybe come to saving faith. They certainly had divine revelation from God, and they were warned to go home a different way. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but the same Satan who energized King Herod to kill Jesus is the same Satan that's still alive and well today. I know you're not really thinking about Satan on Christmas morning, all right? But just like he energized King Herod to have Jesus killed, he's the same enemy, the same devil, the same deceiver who deceived King Herod wants to deceive you. And today, the way he deceives us is that he distracts us from what really matters. He distracts us from the truth of Christmas. And the Bible warns us about this in 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And so what I would like to challenge you on this point would be just as the wise men came from whatever their background was to the Christ child, the wise men also were discerning not to go back and talk to Herod. And so if you've come to Christ today, I want to encourage you that you would not return the same way that you came in. I want to encourage you that when you come to Christ, he changes you and he builds in you not only wisdom about life in general, but specifically he reveals to us by his sovereign grace the truth of Christmas. And when we learn the truth of Christmas and we learn about Christ being the fulfillment of prophecy and the savior of the world, it changes how we live. So that when we go out of this holiday season back into our work and back into our responsibilities, hopefully this Christ of Christmas is truly changing you and causing you to be different than you were before you came to worship this Christ. One final truth about the wise men this morning. Number three, the wise men came to worship Jesus. Now that's pretty obvious, right? We've read it a couple of times, but look at verses 9 through 11. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Okay, so these wise men again, notice how they followed the star. Now, there are a lot of people, and even good, solid Christian scientists, that will try to explain to you this star. And they will give all kinds of explanations that it could have been a, a comet, it could have been a supernova, and they'll kind of work in studying different, um, different works of astrology to kind of come up with this idea, or astronomy rather, kind of come up with this idea of how this star, there's a, a physical explanation. And that may be true, but I'm here to tell you this morning that I, I'm kind of thinking of it a little bit more as not of a, a, a physical phenomenon, but a spiritual phenomenon. I view this to be more the Shekinah glory of God. 
I don't have to find some physical explanation to explain to me how the star got there. Okay? All I've got to do is have the Bible that tells me there was a star and that the wise men followed the star, and I view that to be a little bit more of the presence of God. In fact, maybe you didn't know this, but there was another prophecy given by Balaam, who is from that same area as the wise men, in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, and he says this. He says, I see him but not now. I behold him, but not near. So he's talking about somebody he's seeing, but not now. I'm seeing him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So what I'm saying is, it's possible that there was a prophecy of this star that would go and point to the place where these shepherds would come from. I'm sorry, these wise men uh, would come to worship Christ. It's also interesting, knowing that these wise men were from, uh, from Persia or Babylonia, it could be they also remember Daniel. Remember, Daniel lived in their area for about 70 years while he was in exile. And in Daniel chapter 9, he did give a prophecy about the Christ who would come. And so if these wise men had been tracking, even in their own culture, the history of the prophecy that Daniel gave while he lived with them, they may have recognized this is the time frame where these, these different uh, 69 weeks of sevens would all come together, and this is the time when Christ was supposed to come. And so they come, and notice it says here in verse uh, 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now I was really convicted about that this Christmas season as I was studying this text this week, because a lot of us, I think that the excitement about Christmas, and especially if you're a child this morning, the excitement about Christmas, you know, we ask our kids, hey, what's your favorite thing about Christmas? You know, and if they're given the Sunday school answer, they'll say, Jesus. But if they're really being honest, they'll be like, presents, presents, I can't wait to open all my gifts. And our kids have been so excited this week. But notice that these, these wise men are excited about giving gifts. They're not excited about receiving a gift, even though in one sense Jesus is the gift we receive. But they're excited. Notice again verse 10. They rejoice exceedingly with great joy. And I wonder if that's how you feel this morning as you contemplate that truth, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. That this Christmas, are you more excited about getting what you want for Christmas, and it happens to adults too, right? We, we get all excited, and we want to get that special gift, and if we don't get that special gift from that special someone, then we don't have a good Christmas, you know what I'm saying? Does ever happen to you, mom or dad? That can happen, right, to adults, but hopefully we're more excited about giving gifts, and these wise men come, and notice in verse 11, it says they were going into the house, And so that kind of helps dispel our whole idea about the wise men coming to the manger, which would have possibly been in a stable or in a cave. So I'm sorry if I've ruined your nativity set. All right, because it looks like that maybe these wise men came up to a couple of years later when Jesus was no longer a baby. But notice again, it says in verse 11 that he's a child as in a young child, possibly one to two years old. And so if you want to fix your nativity set, by the way, if you have a nativity set up and you've got the shepherds and you've got the Joseph and Mary and the baby, I can fix it really easy for you. Just take, especially if it's out in your yard, okay? Let's say the nativity set's out in the yard. Just pick up the wise men and take them in the house, all right? Pick up the wise men, take them in the house, then they're in the right place, all right? So there, it's all, it's all saved. It's all, it's all going to be fine. So, but the idea here is that these came, and notice what they, they bring. They bring these, these gifts in verse 12, uh, verse 11, rather. They go into the house, they fell down, 
and worshiped him, and they opened their treasures. They're super excited. They bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, we think about gold being a gift that would be fit for a king. We think about frankincense, which would have been a gift that would have been the incense of deity, possibly even pointing to the priesthood of Christ. And then we think about myrrh, which is a perfume given to emphasize humanity. Or some would say even to prepare Jesus for his burial when he would be crucified on the cross. So gold was given, royalty, or the kingship of Jesus, frankincense, deity, the priesthood of Christ, and then myrrh, humanity, the fact that Jesus was the prophet. And notice how it says in verse 11 that they came and opened their treasures. That word treasure is used, the next time it's used in the Gospel of Matthew... It's used in Matthew chapter 6, do not lay up for yourselves, what, treasures on earth. Isn't that interesting? It's used by the wise men. They came to bring their treasure, and then we're told the second time it's used in Matthew, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth or rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so couldn't that be a reminder to us this morning, that as we come to worship Christ, we bring our treasure to him, and the greatest treasure you could ever bring to Christ would be your heart. The greatest treasure you could ever bring to Christ, he doesn't need your gold. He doesn't need your frankincense, and he doesn't need your myrrh, right? He he does ask and require, if you want to know him and be born again, that you give him your heart, that you give all that you are for all that he is. And there's really three ways that you could respond. Before we get to that last take-home section, let me just say there's three ways you could respond to this Christ this Christmas. There's the way Herod responded, which was really hatred. Wasn't it? Herod's response would probably just typify the world's response, right? It was Jesus who said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Herod hated Jesus. The world we live in hates the Christ of Christmas. One possible response to the exclusivity of the gospel and the person of Jesus Christ is outright hatred. I mean, think about it. The world doesn't want to give up their throne. The world does not want to give up who they worship. The world does not want to give up being large and in charge. And just like Herod ruled the land, secular humanism rules this land. And the world is not going to give it up. And they're not going to come and bow before the true King Jesus. And so that's one possible response is hatred. And maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, hey man, I'm in the church this morning. So obviously I don't have hatred for Christ. Well, maybe you're responding the second way that people respond to Christ this day, and that's distraction, distraction. In fact, look back at verse 4. It says, assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where they were to be born. These were the religious people. He's inquiring, here it is, where's the Christ to be born? And they told him. But guess what they don't do? They don't follow the wise men to Bethlehem. These chiefs, These chief scribes and these Pharisees, these scribes, they know exactly where Jesus is supposed to be born. They give the right hand. Oh, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And you would think that if they were really um, wanting to worship Christ, 
that they would not be so distracted from their religiosity or from their tradition, and they would, knowing the right answer, would want to come and worship Jesus. Listen to me. Too many people today are too distracted by religious things, by traditional things, by other things where we just say, oh, I'm just too busy. I mean, look at this place. We're on Christmas morning, for crying out loud, in a city of 200,000 people. And this place is barely half full, right? If everybody really was just moved past their distractions, we would crowd into places of worship to worship our King. And yet so many people know all about Christ. They know all about the story of the gospel, and yet we're so distracted, we're not interested in coming to worship Him. We're not interested to come and bow on our knees before Christ. And so here this morning, you may have hatred in your heart, like King Herod. You may just be distracted, like these chief scribes and these, uh, these other Pharisees. And then you might be, the third way you could respond is hopefully you respond like the wise men. Right? You want to come worship him. You're here today or last night or you're here in your own heart, in your own time. And again, I'm not trying to say, hey, you're a goody two-shoes if you made it into church today. All right? We're really talking about on a day-by-day lifestyle of bowing the knee to Christ, that you come to worship him, that you come to offer all that you are for all that he is, for without Christ, you got nothing. Without Christ, you don't have life, you don't have hope, you don't have fulfillment, you don't have heaven, you don't have happiness, you can't make it without Christ. And so my prayer for you on this Christmas morning is that you would come to Christ. And that kind of helps us with our take-home section, the last little part of the message. Number one, where have you come from in your journey to the Christ of Christmas? I ask you, where do you come from? Do you come from maybe a different background of a different religion or a different denomination that doesn't stress the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ as being the only means of salvation? Where do you come from in your journey? And I say to you, just as the wise men came from the East, just come. However long it takes, wherever you're coming from, Come to this Christ of Christmas. Don't be distracted by your upbringing. Don't be distracted by your family heritage. You must come to Christ. Secondly, what paths do you need to change in your life as a result of seeing Christ? When these wise men saw Christ, they departed and they went a different way. I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to those who have seen Christ. You've been born again. You've worshipped the king, and yet there's areas in your life where you're just going down the same path. You're stuck in a rut. You're continuing to struggle with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, and you are stuck. And I call you this morning to be like a wise man, to leave that path that you've been walking and to walk to the beat of a different drum, that you would treasure Christ with all your heart, whatever you've been distracted from, you would come to Jesus and want to follow him and him alone. And then that last one says this, will you offer Jesus the treasure of your heart as you find your joy in him today? Would you offer him all that you are for all that he is? For you have the treasure of your soul, your heart. It's it's not really yours, it's given to you by God. But in a sense, maybe this Christmas season, if you're here this morning, especially if you're a guest and you're a visitor and you're not typically in a church service except maybe at Easter or Christmas, we're so glad you're here. Thanks for coming. We want to encourage you to offer your life, to offer your treasure, to repent of your sin, to come to Christ, to receive him into your heart, to follow him, to make him the Lord of your life, to be a Christian 
What a great Christmas message for us to focus on today as we consider the visit of the wise men. If you're visiting this morning and you don't know Christ, we want to encourage you to talk to that person who invited you. I'll be around after the service for a little bit. I'd love to tell you a little bit more about Jesus. And we want you to know the hope of the light of the world, Jesus Christ, for that's who we come to worship on this Christmas morning. Let's bow our heads in prayer. God, thank you for just a reminder this morning of some familiar passages that we've read from Luke chapter 2 and now Matthew chapter 2. And I just pray, God, for us as a church this morning, as a people, that you would cause us to be hungry to worship. God, we want to worship the Christ child who became a man and who died on a cross and who was raised from the dead, who ascended into heaven, who sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for his own, who will one day come back for those who are Christians. And I pray for every person in this morning who maybe has experienced a little bit of King Herod. Maybe it's somewhere in our life we've hated Christ. We've wanted to be on the throne. We've wanted to be in charge. Or maybe some of us would be in this room this morning and we've been distracted. We know all the things about God. and We know everything about the Bible. And yet we don't come to worship Christ. Instead, God, I pray that all of us here this morning would be like these three wise men that would be willing to travel a long distance, that would be willing to give a great sacrifice, that would be willing to offer all that we have for all that you are, and that we would worship you, that we offer you our treasures today, and we store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. God, we desire to worship the Christ of Christmas. So move in a special way in our hearts today as we claim Christ is Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.